welcome to O2BA, and it's Stephen Chicken here, joined by Dave Hartrick. As usual, how are you doing, Dave? Not bad at all. Not uh, bad at all. So I've just had a week off uh, for the first half of the international break. So apologies, there was no pod last week. So we're going to belatedly talk about Town's second win of the season, yeah. which came against Hull City before the international break came upon us like a big pile full of boring bricks. Um, <laughs> Probably, in some ways, the break probably came at the worst possible time for town, just as they were getting a bit of momentum. Yeah, I thought it was quite interesting that they arranged that behind behind the doors, friendly, um, you know, and played some of the first team in there. I could completely understand that, because once you've got momentum, mm. last thing you want to do is lose it, isn't it? And I thought the, the, the nature of the whole victory was the big thing. It wasn't just that they delivered the battering... I had said on this podcast, and the gentleman who said, "Are you on drugs?" to me on Facebook, no, I was, I'm not on drugs. Maybe just reality drugs. Um, but it was also the nature of it that they they got that first goal later on in the game, quickly followed it with another and another. And if I, you know, it they didn't actually close the game out particularly well because the players have not been in this situation yeah. before. You could see it three nil. There were players there who just wanted the game to end so they could celebrate, just get this over so we can, mm. you know, the the relief of it. And it, finishing the game like that and getting two late wins is far more, momentum-wise, is, is, does far more for you than, um, you know, being 3-0 up by half-time. Yeah. You know, it, it really does. It's just the nature of football, really. I think particularly given the, the fitness issues that the, mm. that they've had, like knowing that, and the fact that I think, well, the, before the Stoke <laughs> game, they hadn't scored in the last 30 minutes of a match. Yeah. And now they've had four. Yeah. Well, this, this is it. And, I, you know, I've spoken on this podcast and said, I didn't believe it was a fitness issue. It's an energy issue. And you saw when they got that first goal, you saw a team playing on pure adrenaline for 10 minutes and they went and got two more because suddenly there was space on the pitch and suddenly they were taking men on and beating them and suddenly they were playing the risky pass over the safe one to the side and all that. So it was, I think the international break hasn't come at a great time but I think when they've got three games in eight days to follow, Mm. I think in a way you can say, well, yeah, actually... It's not a bad time, really, because they'll keep the momentum. The players will have been buzzing going into training, you know. Yeah. The international break has worked out pretty well for town because Chalabar got sent home with yeah. the injury. Bakuna's game got called off. Yeah. So it's actually worked out pretty well um, all in. But the, the thing about that whole game was... I, I said to you, I, I texted you during the game, even though you were sat, like, two metres from me... Um, and said, you know, the, the first goal is going to win this game. And I was worried that Hull were going to get it. Because yeah. it would have been such a such a, a sort of the air going out the balloon instantly. Mm. As soon as Town got that, that goal, there was only ever going to be one winner. Yeah. And I think it's worth saying, Steve, what a goal that was as well. Ah, oh, that finish. And, yeah, he's, he's 180 degrees mm. facing away from goal. The the pass from Bakuna is not an easy one to no, control. No, he, he fires it at him. Basically, hit, yeah, I wrote initially he basically hits it at him rather yeah. than rather yeah. than to him, and he actually has to stretch a little bit when you watch it to to get the mm. first touch on it. But 
whether it's intentional, whether the first touch is intentional or not, that second touch to swivel yeah. and know exactly where the bottom corner is and put it there yeah. is incredible instincts. It shows yeah. what, what that is something you, you just can't teach, I don't think. Like no, you can do all the no. training drills in the world, but like, and there's a lot of players in the Premier League who don't have that kind of instinct. It's like, it's actually quite a rare thing. Like, mm. it's a Robbie Fowler, Alan Shearer. Yeah, yeah. Like even Michael Owen didn't have it, and he scored, yeah. you know, yeah. when he was good, was brilliant. Uh, it was it was a, a wonderful goal, and it's the sort of goal that does give you a platform, and that's exactly as it proved, because then Bakuna finishes uh, a great move yeah. for the second. And then you get the, the, the third goal was special for a couple of reasons, really, because the third goal was the moment in the ground where you could feel the fans go, yeah, this is one. Because yeah. e- even being 2-0 up, the run they've been on and everything else, there's still all that, you know, 2-0 is a dangerous lead, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but the third goal goes in and there were just this sort of weight lifted from the stadium. But the player who scored it as well, Kachunga, yeah. was, you, you could see what it meant to him. Mm. He's had a very, he had a very, very good week really he played very very well in all the games he provides industry rather than brilliance I think it would be fair to say yeah but there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> yeah it's the Park G song yeah. thing isn't it it is Dirt it Cow is. style he's been picked because the Cowleys he's the type of player we've, we've said it on here he's the type of player who will do what his manager asks mm. and when you've got a dear Carby who is Let's be honest, he's an unknown quantity. You don't know what you're going to get from him. I think he's been really, really good recently since the Cowleys have come in, but he's still a player who's capable of going out there and having an absolute stinker. You just you just don't know. Mm. To have a counterbalance there as an option, to have a Kachunga who just wants to work hard, just wants to cover his flank, just wants to provide, just wants to be involved, there's nothing wrong with that. And yeah, it was a... It was a, it, again, though, very good finish again. Yeah, very good finish. No tapping that, you know. No, no, in off the underside of the bar. I mean, I wrote, when I wrote my five conclusions on Stoke, I put that that game was not a match where you're like, oh, that's yeah. you know. And we talked on the podcast about it. That's where they turned the corner. Who knows what's going to happen over the next few games? But if they do go on a bit of a run and start flying up the table, because they're out in the relegation zone now, incredibly. yeah, which is incredible. Yeah, they're <laughs> on the back of three games. Um, if they do start flying up the table, you feel like that whole game will be will go mm. down as the turning point rather than the Stoke game. Uh, you also feel like if they'd have won that Millwall game, mm. I don't think they'd have won the next two. Mm. So I think they'd have probably had a six-point week. I think there was a lot of good things to come from that Millwall game, and I think we were quite we were relatively positive on the podcast compared to some. And I think it gave them the platform. Yeah. The, the last big monkey on their back was a home win. Yeah. And to smash getting a win, getting an away win, getting a home win, two clean getting sheets. more two clean sheets, yeah. getting more than a single goal in a game, getting more than two goals in a game yeah. all in a week is in, incredible progress. Different goal really. scorers as well. But the, the, I joked about it before. The other side of it was the reason I felt they were going to batter someone was because there was always going to be a game where they got the second goal. Because mm. how many games have we seen them where they've got the goal, they've been playing well, 
and they've just not been able to build on it. They've mm. just not been able to get the second. Yeah, Kukila or Cardiff. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's killed them ultimately. Yeah. And this that was a problem in the Premier League as well. You know, there's the Burnley game, the West Ham game, and various others that they couldn't kill a game. Yeah, but they they did and. In the space of a week, you now look at Blackburn, is it Blackburn Borough Barnsley coming yeah. up? You look at those three and you suddenly think, well, could be another seven point week there. We'll come on to that run later. I think before we move on, I want to talk about Ginny Neo Bakuna because, mm. um, again, we, we sort of touched on him after the Stoke game. If that doesn't sound a bit weird, uh, <laughs> but we—he was—he came off the bench again against Hull, and he completely changed the game because within 30 seconds of coming on, he set up that goal for Grant. Mm-hmm. Then he scored the second, and then he made the third because it was him that played the ball through for Lewis yeah. O'Brien, who then crossed for had an easy job to mm-hmm. sort of play it across the yeah. box for Kachunga, um, not to do down Lewis O'Brien at all because he's been possibly he's on course to be Town's player of the season the yeah. way that he's going. Yeah. But it's. Really nice to see Bakuna turn that around, and uh, you know, as I say, we, we talked about it a bit last time. But after he he clearly has so much talent and had been playing so poorly, po- arguably Town's worst player mm. in the first few games of the season, lost his place, um, and he's been a game changer off the bench, and he's really given a headache to to the Cowleys now in central midfield, as we talked about last time, because they've now got. Jonathan Hogg, Lewis O'Brien, Janunia Bakuna, Trevor Chalibur and Alex Pritchard yeah. all to fit into the team. Well, which is an incredible turnaround when you think yeah. four weeks ago you would have said at the time Lewis O'Brien was sort of emerging but you would have said probably only Hogg was a definite choice out of any of them really. Chalibur was playing well I think at that point. Yeah, time, but but, but Chalabar is to be fair, Chalabar has tailed off the last couple of games. He has. He's he's one player who since the Cowleys have been in, in my honest opinion, hasn't uh quite shown what he could do. But I think the difference is that he's playing in a far more regimented yeah. sy- systematic midfield now. So he he's not been reined in, don't get me wrong. He mm. still he still loves that gallop forward and he's still towns Really, he's—he's. He's, I know O'Brien does a very good impression of it, but he is Town's box-to-box midfielder, really, Chalabar. But yeah, these are good headaches to have, though, yeah, aren't definitely. they? And for a club who has had no headache whatsoever, you mm-hmm. know, squad-wise, it's—it's it's an interesting development. And it's like I've—I mentioned to you before that I've always wanted to do that piece, picking apart some sort of interesting mm-hmm. statistics around Town. There just hasn't been any. Mm-hmm. You know, you could see everything with your own eyes. There really has been an upswing in almost everything. Yeah. Um, and that is, let's be honest, that is down to the Cowleys. You, yeah. You've got to give them the props. Interestingly, at the, Q, the fan Q&A that they did at the Gas Club on Monday night, um, Cowley went out of his way to, to praise Mark Hudson, saying that he felt like Hudson actually made enormous strides with the team, particularly in terms of fitness. After he took over from uh, from Jan Sievert, mm. um, which yeah I thought was interesting, but where I think the, where the Cowleys have imp- have taken what Hudson was doing and run with it even more is in making them more incisive. Yeah, and getting as I say, substitutions are suddenly a massive part of 
Towns Arsenal, mm. which you never would have foreseen a few no. weeks ago. Or even, to be honest, even even under Wagner at times, they, they struggled to get game yeah. changers on. But the, yeah, the, yeah. the number of times that they've, in their five games, they've made substitutions that have changed things for the better. Mm. Um, particularly those those last three games, obviously. Um, I think Hudson... It's very impressive. Uh, you know, Hudson was... It, the the Reading game, I wouldn't say broke him, but we saw him when he came into the press conference afterwards and he was absolutely through the floor because he got a really, really good 45 minutes out of them. They were good that first half. Right, and well, they that's were, the one game I haven't been to this season. Well, they, they were really good and they were actually progressive, but without having a real cutting edge. Yeah. But then the second half, they just tumbled off a cliff and they just stopped doing all the things... You, they'd clearly been told to do and Hudson was really going for them on the touchline and when he came into the press conference afterwards you know he said the fitness is not up to it they're, they're nowhere near fit enough I think my only criticism of Hudson for his time in charge it's very difficult to criticise a caretaker manager because it's a nine impossible job mm. yeah, as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will tell you <laughs> um, but the my criticism was that he went back in terms of a playing style he tried to go too far back to Wagner mm. ideals and systems and I think what those players needed was something completely different they have that now and it's taken a few games to get the ideas on board but what I think is quite interesting with the, with the Cowl is we talked about the need to simplify Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think they've done that at all I think it's actually quite you, you look, for instance, the way that as soon as they lose possession, that, that formation changes from the 4-3-3 or the 4-2-3-1 into a 4-1-4-1. You look at how the press moves during a game and you look at their attacking patterns and how willing they are to change things from game to game. Mm. And you realise that they haven't really simplified anything, but what they have done is they've just given the players a completely fresh set of ideas. Mm. Completely, you know, deprogram them, yeah. debug them, and give them something else to think about. And they're they're very intense. <laughs> you yeah. can tell that one one of the things I would say to anybody who listens to this pod who goes to the matches is try and get in a little bit earlier than you should for one home game and just watch them warm up because you can see the intensity in the warm-up, Nicky Cowley's out there kicking a ball in most of the drills with him, I mean, he's, you know, he, he, he's loving it, Danny Cowley's out there in and amongst the squad, he's got his arm around players, he's talking to players, he's talking to players who aren't in the match day squad and yeah. running through stuff with them, which is interesting. They had Josh Caroma out doing a yeah. sprinting drill after the game on... Uh, and that he would literally, sort. right up until... The two teams were coming out for kickoff because yeah. I was saying to you, who, who is that on the far side? Because yeah. we couldn't work out if it was someone in the match day squad, could we? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's they've brought an intensity. They've brought a different style of thinking. I think they've clearly worked with a few individuals like Bakuna, who mm. we know has had one or two personal issues, and they've, they've given him the space and the room, not just physically, but also in his mind to be able to to deal with things better and yeah it, it, you just hope it continues you just hope that the the good mood the good feeling continues because it's it's 
if Town are going to be free of that relegation zone come Christmas, because one one loss and they could drop back in there yeah. where they are at the moment. You know, it's a slight. They're only out of it on goal difference. Yeah, it's moment. a it's a false position at the moment. They it it's they that they've got to keep this momentum going. They've got to get it. But that's the other thing about the championship. Lose a game Saturday, it's all right. You've got another Tuesday or Wednesday to put it right, haven't you? Yeah. It's, it's worth saying that this run, as we've highlighted before, that Town started the season with basically the hardest run of games yeah. that they were possibly going to get. I think I looked at it at the start of the season based on the betting odds, yeah. um, like the promotion betting odds, and that run of whatever it was, four or five games, was the hardest spell. Mm. And this that they're in now is the easiest spell that yeah. they're going to have all season. Um, and obviously that's going to come round again once yeah. we get the other side of Christmas and they'll be back on that difficult run again but even still it's it's you know they hadn't won in, in any of their first nine you know mm. so you know they had what was it one point from their first eight so yeah it's a, still a, a seven point week is some yeah whatever you want to say about like how easy the fixture list is and mm. all of that but it's it's exciting times really because I think we we one or two people have accused us of sometimes being slightly overly positive, but it's not that we're overly positive. It's just that we're slightly more analytical because we. Well, have, we're too neutrals for a start. Yeah. Two of us. So you're 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 slightly dispassionate about it, and you can see things for what they are, and as you look at it now, genuinely for the first time since since the playoff final clubs will be looking at Huddersfield Town and going oh, I don't fancy playing them yeah and that that's that's exactly where town need to be for the rest of the season mm. they don't have to go up this year no they don't have to make <laughs> the playoffs well. yeah <laughs> they don't have to make the playoffs but they they need to become a club again where they aren't being looked upon as at least four points a season out of them yeah. and you know Blackburn will be looking at that game and it's a very different prospect for Blackburn than it was a fortnight ago suddenly. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, it's the next few are uh, Blackburn, then Borough, then Barnsley. Barnsley, who are looking for a new manager mm. and currently rumoured that Jan Siva is one of the men in the running so mm. that'd be he was at a game recently but that's I think he lives he's still well he, I know he still he lives, lives in, in the area Scalmanford, it may well yeah. be that he was just there watching a game more likely than not let's be honest but he's he's available and yeah. Barnsley have a model that they've been working to with Daniel Strandall and he might be a very natural fit but and he's an impressive talker he can sell himself he's got the right ideas Jan mm. like we, we, we've both you know been sort of stuck up for him when he was getting a bit of flack and he does have good ideas in him and I'm sure he will have learnt a lot mm. from, from the mistakes that he made as any manager will tell you at the start of their yeah. career we have both said several times to each other that we can't shake the feeling that at some point he's going to have a very good couple of years at a club somewhere Yeah. if he took that Barnsley job that is <laughs> that's a, a tough gig. Yeah, they've lost some of their best players. They're on a not a, not anything like Huddersfield Town's run, but they're they're certainly struggling. And he'd almost be walking into the same position that he was in when he joined mm. Town because he'd be replacing the manager that got them promoted. 
being the man after the man. Yeah, yeah. This is the. This I know Stanley was only there for a year, and he got them. You know, it, but the, still. It seems it's, but it he was does, well liked. Stendhal by the Barca yeah. fans, from what I understand. Oh, massively, yeah, yeah massively. But you you feel like uh, it, there may be a marriage of convenience there because he lives in the area and he he yeah. may well fit the model. But who knows? Uh, uh, that's a that's a game that town. If town are serious about pulling themselves out of this, mm. that's one of the games that they have to target and yeah. go right. Anything other than three points here is unacceptable. Um, so that's that's interesting. Borough at home, Borough are struggling. Yeah, I mean, they I, I, they've been on telly, I think, three times this season. The Luton game, uh, game last match day, and there was another game they were on, and they look slightly rudderless. They look like they've no yeah. identity. And I was speaking to someone from the Gazette on Friday, Teesside Gazette, I should say. He was surprised at how far they've fallen, given that they only just missed out on the playoffs last year under Tony yeah. Pulis. And I said, "Well, is it a case that that Woodgate's an inexperienced manager?" And he's and he was like, "No, it's not really." He was like, "I don't really get that yeah. sense. They're, they're just they've just lost that sort of five percent. None of their goal scorers are doing it." He said, "You just can't see where they're going to get a goal from." No. He said even British on Belonga has not been particularly yeah. at it. And they, I I know a Middlesbrough fan, Simon Benoob, and he's through the floor because that exact reason there's no invention no creation mm. so that again town have to look at that and go right it's a home game mm. it's a Wednesday night under the floodlights that's that's a game we want to win Blackburn away is a slightly different prospect let's be honest Blackburn yeah. have got goals in them they're a well organised well drilled side that's the hardest game on that run so when they started this run of seven games Blackburn were the only team in that run that were in the top half yeah. at the time. And the thing about Blackburn is they carry a, a major attacking threat. Yeah. They do. Um, uh, well, Bradley Dack playing there. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. I mean, Bradley Dack is a he's a Premier League player, isn't yeah. he? A, a Championship club. Yeah. And I, I did, uh, I think, three Blackburn games last season, and they, they're really well drilled, well organised. But, town on the crest of a wave. The other thing that I slightly don't like about that Blackburn game is Saturday lunchtime kickoff. Mm. They're always weird games. They're always a bit flat, and it's yeah. I think that counts against them as well, to be honest. But we'll we'll see. I I would have thought that they could. I reckon if you offered them a point at Blackburn yeah. now, they'd probably they'd probably take it. And I don't think they'll set up like they did in the Stoke game. Mm. But I don't think it'd be far off. Yeah, just Looking with a frustrate bit. Yeah, try and frustrate for as long as possible, and then half an hour to go, look to really start to counter with mm. some pace. Like you said, game changes off the bench. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if Diakabi, even though he's playing well, starts on the bench, but is then sort of unleashed mm. for the last half an hour, twenty-five minutes. Mm. But that's fine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's why you have a sub That's why you use it to your advantage. I mean, Blackburn now dropped into the bottom half, but then, as you say, Borough, well, they're a place above Huddersfield in the mm. table at the moment. Do you know, I don't know how many goals Borough have scored this season, uh, but it's not many. They've scored fewer than town. They've yeah. scored 11. Um, and I think three... So of, they're on a goal a game. And weren't three of them in their opening day against Luton, possibly? Yeah, I mean, they've, again shows you what a turnaround it's been because 
Town have now mm. scored uh, seven in their last four. Yeah. So, the, the, having scored five in their previous eight, I think it was. I think one of the interesting questions for me, Steve, and I, I want your take on this. What's your front three against Blackburn if you go for a three? Which, realistically, one way or another, I think the Cowleys will play with three attacking options, yeah. basically. I think, I think you go back to, as you say, what it was against Stoke, which was Kachunga, who obviously is going to be mm. like right at it, Campbell and Grant. Yeah, I think Campbell, away from home, gives you a lot more... Yeah. Uh, well, he's going to he, push. Exactly, he's going to press and... high up the pitch. And I think Grant probably offers a bit more defensively as well, yeah. um, out on the wing. So, I think <sighs> Jonathan Hogg or Trevor Chalibur, whoever plays as... If they go f- the 4-1, 4-1, 4-3-3, yeah. whoever plays as that number six, man-marking Bradley Dack. Yeah. Um, I, I think they have to start Hogg because I think... I think Shalaba, he went off injured um, in the in the in the game against Hull. He got sent home from England duty with a slight injury. That almost helps him, yeah, because it almost gives him a ready-made excuse, doesn't it, and something to tell the player as well. And I think Hogg. The thing about Dak is Dak is a player who it's it's quite easy to wind up. Mm. to say the least unless he's matured severely since last season um, I watched him in, in two games they played I did the QPR game last season that uh, Blackburn nicked it in the end with a with a penalty but um, yeah the QPR just stuck a midfielder on him and just wound him up relentlessly and it worked mm. so I get the feeling that Hogg may be sent out to do that job Um and he may go up in the air once or twice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I can't argue with that front three. I, I just think, I know defensively Grant gives you more, but I, I've sort of been a proponent of, I think, depending how you play it, I think Grant on the left is fine. But, you know, when you see him a score a goal yeah. like he did against Hull, you think, you've got to find a way to get him opportunities in yeah. the box, haven't you? Um, so as long as they don't lose that, yeah, I think that's fine. And I think then, as I said, your big attacking change is Dear Carby, who mm. I think it's worth spending a minute on because he suddenly looks like a proper player. Yeah, um, Still a massive variance from sublime to ridiculous. But when he gets it right, there's... There'll be very few fullbacks in this league can cope with him, you know. He's an interesting one, and he's he's a talent who I think will will see growing and growing throughout the mm. season to the point where he he may well be come to the end of the season. We'll be saying, oh, what a good signing he was yeah. last summer. Well, they, this is it, and I, you know, I've always and I repeat myself again, but I've always said on this podcast, you've not seen a player like Diacarbi or Benza with the tail up, you know, Mm. full of confidence and really going for it. We don't know how good these players are. But the thing I quite like is that we were in the press conference where he talked about wanting to play a Liverpool-style front three where you have an unselfish person in the middle whose job it is to bring in, you know, the people either side. What I quite like about this is that rather than trying to play a Liverpool-style front three, if you play... Grant and on the left, coming in from the left, Campbell through the middle, and have Dear Carby right loading the gun for them. Yeah. Suddenly that looks really threatening. Yeah. You know, suddenly that looks 
a proper plan of attack, whether you start with it or whether mm. you do it for the last half an hour. And I know we've talked about Kachungran and he's absolutely worth his place and he, he, yeah. he should should start for me. But if if Diakabi keeps doing this, like Pakuna, he's going to become impossible to ignore. Yeah, I'd be really tempted to give Pakuna a start. Because I, I think I think I have to. Yeah, as plain as he is, there's only so long that they could keep him on the bench. A goal, two assists, and a key pass in the last, yeah. like off the subs bench in yeah. the last two games. You can't ignore that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked about what a confidence player he is as well. Yeah, like he is a pure confidence player. Yeah, and yeah, and and what better way to sort of keep that going than by giving him a start? I don't think there's anything. I think if he were to drop Lewis O'Brien, there would be some fans that were a bit up in arms about that. But I would say it's worth remembering that Lewis O'Brien is. 20 years old, hasn't played at this level before, and there's a lot of games in the championship. Yeah. Drop, dropping a central midfielder is no shame, particularly if no. you're playing 4-3-3. Yeah. So I would, yeah, I would say whichever of those midfielders, if he were to start Bakuna, whichever of those three, and he presumably is going to stick with Hogg, whoever he drops out of the other two. Yeah. And as you say, maybe Chalabar. I, I'm sort of preempting that for another time. Perhaps if Chalabar is not quite 100% mm. fit, then then Bakuna's the obvious replacement there. But you. Like but, they've got three games in a week, yeah. So exactly. as you said, you, you they have to particularly rotate. in midfield in the championship where it's a bit of a bear pit yeah. sometimes. It, to, it's pretty amazing if a club went with the same midfield three yeah. for three games in seven days. Yeah, exactly. So and, I think they will mix it up a bit, and, and I think and, they'll also do that with the front three as and well. They talked about like they didn't. Cali has talked about how in the first five games he didn't want to make a lot of changes yeah. because he didn't well a couple of things one he didn't want to he wanted to have some sense of continuity yeah. um, to build off of and the other thing was that some of the players that are sort of other options are younger players so yeah. it's Reese Brown Josh Caroma yeah, you know, uh, and and he didn't, big ask. <laughs> yeah, it's a big ask to to just throw them in. Bakuna when his head was down, Isaac and Benza as well. Those are players that have not been at their best or have barely featured this season. Yeah, yeah, you can understand him not wanting, but they're now, as we've discussed, at a position where some of those players have actually come off the bench and started doing well, really well in Bakuna's mm. case, and now they can start to look to. To, to rotate things a bit and try different things. And the Cowleys have shown a, a real willingness to, like as we've talked about, adopt a different game plan for every yeah. game. They, yeah. Every game they've played has been slightly different than the yeah. last one, um, which is like incredible pragmatism yeah. on their part. Like one of the things I have to look for is is formations and tactical shifts for when you're doing Opta. for when I'm doing my yeah. for when I'm doing the day job and they're so difficult to classify because a four three three often isn't a four three three yeah and it's often one formation in possession and one formation yeah, out of possession I think tactical notation is yeah a bit and like a four two three one is rarely a four two three one yeah and at, at times it's the the way they how, when they've tried to, when they've shifted to a four-two-three-one, or when they've tried to start that as a pattern, we had them down in a four-three-three, didn't we? Was it the Millwall game? Mm. And instantly, I said to you after five minutes, Lewis or Brown's playing as a ten here. This is a four-two-three-one. Yeah. Often, the four-two-three-one morphs into a 
four one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because like Hog does all that work for them back there, so mm. the other two can push on. So this is what I mean about they they haven't simplified things, but what they have done is they've sort of completely ripped up what had gone before. Hitting and, the reset button is how Carl yeah, refers to it. Yeah, yeah, and the thing is that he did his Q and A on Monday. I'm not surprised he he agreed to do that and he did a couple of interviews last week which are are yet to be out there but um, I was slightly involved in one of them he had a little bit of a sort of flurry of press because he's speaking from a position of authority when you're coming off a seven point week you know you may as well cash in while the going's good you may as well turn around to the players and say I'm sorry but you're not starting and you need to pull your boots up a little bit because you've just won two games in a week yeah <laughs> you know so it's 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 good times really let the good times roll but the other thing I wanted to mention to you is my boy Tommy Elphick the thing is Simpson since he's come in he's not been brilliant but what he has done is played properly (laughs) (laughs) he's played properly as a right back Mm. he's stayed in line when needed he's helped his centre backs out and he's when he's needed cover he's called for cover when he hasn't needed cover his central defender's been yeah Yeah. he's gone he's fine and I don't want to bash Hadajinai here but there is there is no coincidence that since Simpson's come in Instantly, that back four mm. gets one concedes goal one games. goal in and three that's, games. That's a goalkeeping error. A goalkeeping error. error. Yeah. yeah. And Elphick, the thing is, I know Elphick still has a bit to do to win over the town fans. Yeah. But I, the one thing I do do is, if you look at the stats and the comparison stats, yeah. <laughs> the one thing I do, I do do. Put it again. <laughs> I look at comparison stats and what have you, and that he he is now properly playing he yeah. is he is now doing a proper job he's more vocal than Schindler it was quite interesting to see in that whole game a couple of times not not boss him about but Schindler I thought was excellent in that game yeah Elphick was literally a couple of times telling him where to go they're both know. excellent against Stoke as well worth yeah saying. Um, Mel actually marked down Elphick against uh, Stoke and I, I couldn't believe it yeah so. I, and that's interesting because if they've got a partnership now, um, you know, the, the Danny Cowley talked about it's slightly difficult because they're both right-footed, aren't they? Mm. So there's not a natural right and left. So they've they've got to they've got to work together. Schindler can do what Schindler does and be better on the ball than Elphick and uh, have a better anticipation and a better sense of where the danger is. Elphick can do the dirty work. Elphick, what Elphick wants to do is head balls away mm-hmm. and take strikers down and put the ball out for a throw in when it's needed. Yeah. He just wants to do the basics of the job. So if he if you've got him being a bit more vocal at the back, being a bit more of a leader, you've got a keeper who suddenly has a lot more confidence in mm-hmm. those two in front of him as well. Yeah, it's it's no again, I don't want to bash Hadders United, but it's it's no secret as to why that's suddenly working and Jaden Brown as well yeah who was excellent against Hull yeah. who uh Danny Cowley has said he's going to get an extended run and I've I've said again I always repeat myself on this podcast but I've said again play a specialist in a specialist position yeah Congolo is great 
he's really good at what he does, but he's not a left back. This is a question that we've put to Kelly at press conference, and a fan also asked it, which is, uh, is he a left back or a centre back, Congolo? And Kelly's answer is that he is a. He was probably signed to be on the left of a yeah. back three, which mm. is fair. Well, Congolo himself, I think, has said that's where he wants to play. Yeah, and he also said that he sees Congolo as a what he calls an inverted fullback rather than an overlapping mm. fullback. Yeah. So playing the role that Simpson does as opposed to the one that Hadijanai was, yeah. for instance. Yeah. I think I, I my suspicion, and this is not informed or based on any behind the scenes or anything like that, um, my suspicion is that Congolo would go back in at centre-back when he's back fit, if mm. and when he's back fit. Now that they are developing a partnership, do you I think it put Congolo in? I think it depends how you play. It was notable how high a line they played against uh, Millwall. And that's interestingly the other thing that Cowley has said is Congolo probably allows us to play a high line. Yeah, because his recovery pace is far better. Yeah. So I think in games where you are looking to play a high line and you are looking to push on, Barnsley at home. Yeah. I think Congolo is perhaps the man you want in there so that if you if they do break the lines and get in behind, you've got somebody who's lightning to get back there. Because however much I love him... I'm not going to pretend Tommy Elphick is a sprinter. He is not a sprinter. Um, so I think you can vary it from game to game. I think what what I want from a central defensive partnership and what works right up to the very highest level, even your Man City's and Barcelona's, is you have one who does the dirty work and one who does the dirty work but is also far better on the ball. So yeah. he's an outlet, basically. And the one's job is to do all his defensive duties and just give the other the ball because <laughs> he's yeah. far better. And what was noticeable was how Elphick was, um, Schindler was actually looking to break the lines when he was on the ball yeah. and, and, and getting it wide to Kachunga, etc. And that's a strategy. That's clearly a, a thing they've been told. And that is good to see because one of the things that Wagner did and that Jan did was that constant sideways keep possession if they haven't got the ball they can't hurt us it's a risky ball from a central defender to try and play into that space for a winger to run on but if the risk comes off you've automatically got a player in and you've got players facing goal that's what you want there were there were three or four good good balls from Schindler against Tull yeah that that were yeah, nice passes. Yeah, like they they were again. It wasn't just hoofing it. And, no, you so, know, and this if is, you've got Steve Mounier up front, then maybe you can just hoof it and just be like, well, we'll head it and see where. It, but yeah. they were nice, um, long passes, as you yeah. said, as you've talked about recently. Um, and I think one of them was marginally offside. Another yeah. one, you know, the, the chance came to nothing. Yeah, but and, and this is what what the Cowleys have wanted to do, and what Town have needed to do is. Town spend have played all their football with a back to goal for eighteen months, mm. so everything has been slow, stayed, uncreative. Every ball has been into a player who's got to turn and beat a man. Not enough incisiveness, not enough directness. There's a huge difference between a long ball and a long pass. Mm. And what the long pass, if you if you do break the lines and get in behind, instantly you've got four players who are all facing goal and running forward, mm. and that. Trust me, from an attacking point of view, tactically, that makes a vast, vast difference. Yeah. So again, these are the these are the things that the players are having to think about now that are going to make you know a big difference longer term. But I think that back four is interchangeable with Congolo coming in. Yeah. But Simpson and Brown, I would I 
barring injury or tiredness, I wouldn't change either of no. them. And speaking of Haddish and I, yeah. where did he play for Kosovo? Yeah, we, I can't remember. I think we were not on air when we talked about this, but you were yeah. saying um, he needs to be bailified, perhaps, yeah. that he's a winger rather than a fullback, and he played on the right wing for Kosovo, apparently, mm. um, when they beat Montenegro the other he's day. He's not a fullback, he's not a wingback. So I think, you know, Harry Redknapp, for all his faults, one of the, the, the best things he ever did was shoved Gareth Bale from fullback to a winger. And that's what Haddish and I will be longer term because he ain't a defender. <laughs> the minute you put that defensive responsibility on him. The, the problem with Haddish and I and why he's so easy to criticise, I think, is because it's not that he's a bad player. It's just that the things he doesn't do take other people down with him. <laughs> so it's not like, you know, if Dia Carby has a bad game, he doesn't actually take anyone down with him, yeah. does he? You know, it, it's it, that's the problem. And that's why he gets, Flo gets beaten so badly in yeah. player ratings and everything else, rightly or wrongly. But yeah, I do wonder if the Callens might have a look at that at some point. But I, I've, I think longer term... Haddish and I is probably a player who, going on to something we're going to talk about, about trimming the squad down a bit yeah. further, he is somebody who you feel probably doesn't fit. So this is based on um, Danny Cowley at the Q&A saying that they've got a squad of 28 players at the moment and he feels like they, they they have always preferred to have a squad of 22, um, basically, because he thinks that if you're getting into a place where you've got players who are third and fourth choice, yeah, that they are inevitably going to... They lose their way a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that it's not sustainable in the longer term, which suggests that they're... Well, that Town need to, to lose six players. Mm. Now, that squad of 28 is worth saying... We've, we've had a look at it and we think we know who the 28 are. Um, I'll run through it. In fact, it's Camille Grabara, Joel Coleman, Ryan Schofield, Danny Simpson, Flo Hadajanai, Herbert Bockhorn, Christopher Schindler, Jan Stankovic, Tommy Elphick, Romani Edmonds Green, Jaden Brown, Terence Congolo, Lewis O'Brien, Janino Bakuna, Jonathan Hogg, Trevor Chalaber, Alex Pritchard, Reese Brown, Matty Daly, Adama Diakabi, Isaac Mbenza, Carlin Grant. Fraser Campbell, Colin Quanner, Steve Mounier, Elias Kachunga, Josh Kromer, and Aaron Rowe. Yeah. If I've got it right. Those, those are the 28 senior players, or, yeah, senior players, if you want to count a couple of those youngsters as senior, yeah. like, likes of Rowe and Daly. Those are the 28 professionals that I think he's talking about. If they're looking at losing six of them, then there's some obvious ones who you'd say, well, you send them out on loan. Yeah. So Aaron Rowe, Matty Daly, yeah. he's already acknowledged that he thinks a loan would do Ryan Schofield some good. Yeah. Ramani Edmonds Green is another th- one. Uh, goalkeepers are really uh, like they're so dependent on game time because you yeah. learn in game, don't you? When you're a goalkeeper, there's only so much you can do on the training pitch. Yeah. You look at Grabara. It's taken him until now to actually come out and claim a cross. And I know he dropped the one against Millwall, but you know his first four or five games, I don't think he came out once yeah. to claim a cross. So I understand that. And he will come back a much better yeah. goalkeeper for the experience. No, no disrespect to Joel Coleman, but I think Joel Coleman at this point in his career is probably 
used to the idea of being the yeah. second choice goalkeeper. He's, he's yeah. a bit older. He's 23, 24. Mm. Ryan Schofield is 19, and I know that they see they regard him really highly. I think they see. Well, him. I'm not surprised. No the performance he put in against their Lincoln, yeah, their Lincoln side. Yeah. It, um, He's he's a really good lad as well. He's got his when if you ever hear interviews with him, I think we did we put one on a podcast. If you want to go back through the feed, um, with with Ryan, he's he's doesn't sound like a nineteen year old. He's yeah. he's got his head properly screwed on his shoulders, similar yeah. to Liz O'Brien. Yeah. Um, but I think he is very ambitious. They have. Yeah. They see big things in his future, so it makes more sense to send him out. Yeah, getting some time, and who knows, perhaps. He might be starting for town next yeah. year or, or the year after. Um, Edmunds, as I say, Edmunds Green is another one who he, he's a player I really like. Yeah, I really really like, and I, I, you know I talked about him in that Lincoln game how well he played, and how Stankovic passed the striker over to him. You know, yeah. Stankovic, the experienced defender, literally said, oh, "You're going to have to handle him." I think he's got a big future yeah. ahead. Um, I think Congolo, you know, again, this is based on nothing, but longer term, I'm not sure Congolo will be at that club next season um, for various reasons. And I think he's a player that you ultimately have to be realistic about and say in the summer you are going to get, if you did put him up for sale, you're going to get an amount of money it's probably going to be difficult to say no to for Congolo. I think that's fine because I think potentially sending him out on loan is fine but even if they don't it, it's I see a lot of young footballers and I actually do in the course of the Opta job last season I did a lot of youth football mm. defenders rarely stand out because you know a defender's peak often comes much later in their career because it's about like mm. learning where the danger is and when to step up and all that sort of thing Edmunds Green, every time I've seen him, has just stood out a mile to me because yeah. it's just all natural. You know, yeah. he's he's not working at anything. He's he's got the physicality, but he's also got the brain. Mm. You know, he's a really intelligent defender. So I think longer term he's got a big future, but you don't need him right this second no, with Stankovic and Congolo as backup. Yeah, exactly. He's the fifth choice. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Kelly was saying third or fourth choice can yeah. can cause you issues, and he's the fifth choice. So, yeah, th- there's no harm there. Um, Matty Daly, I know they they think really highly of, mm. from what I understand. Um, again, he's probably, he, but he's 18. They're not going to throw him in at this stage. No. Um, maybe towards the end of the season, he, he did did well on his the two Premier League yeah. games he played last season. He he did, but he'd. Um, <sighs> Like it's a tough league physically. Yes, and he is very slight. Yeah, um, he he unfortunately is still at that point in his career where a great big burly mm-hmm. central midfielder is going to put him three feet in the air. Yeah. So there'd be absolutely nothing wrong with I think probably sending him out on loan, League One or League Two, get some or football. Even abroad, perhaps. Yeah, get some football, get used to going in the air once or twice in a game. Uh, Aaron Rowe has played on the wing. He's he's had a couple of injuries this season. Again, another one. He's, he's played in the Premier League, but mm. probably with the number of wingers in particular. Uh, he played at right back against Donington pre-season, yeah. oddly enough. But I mean, we've also he's he's very well thought of in the club, isn't he, Aaron? Yeah, Rowe, I think. Yeah, I think they see. I think they think he's got quite a big future. Yeah, I, I must admit, I'm not. 
I'm not quite on board with that in a way that I am with, like you know, Edmund Screen or the, Daly. But. The youngsters that I haven't seen much of Aaron Rowe, I must say, because his appearances in the Premier League came before I started this job. Mm. So I really haven't. The only time I've, I think I've seen him play, and he, because he's had those injuries, the only time I've actually seen him play was when he played right back in a friendly mm. against Doncaster, which I'm not mm. going to judge him on, although he did all right. Um, yeah, I mean the youngsters. I think they they have particularly high hopes or have been Lewis O'Brien, who's now broken through, mm. Schofield, Rowe, Edmonds Green, and uh, Scott High, who's not one of the twenty eight, but he's a defensive midfielder. Mm. He's the captain of the under nineteens at the moment. Um, he's he's probably the next one. Off yeah, the, to off try the and get up the line, line, maybe yeah. next season. Um, but then, but that's sort of. Th- three or four players there that, that you're looking at and mm. we're, set, we're trying to get to six um, and in fact I haven't even counted Edmunds Green on, on this list because I was trying to get two for every position and if yeah. you've got Congolo as your left back covered that leaves Edmunds Green as centre back so then the other three <laughs> that I think might be the odd ones out can I say it go on Herbert Bockhorn's moves gone well hasn't it yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Herbert Bockhorn is, is it looks like the third choice right back and the third choice left back Yeah, he's only played against Lincoln and for the development team um, he seemed like a bit of a gamble when they signed him because he was 23 I think and had only played for Dortmund's under 23s Yeah, um, and yeah I mean I think it's fair to say it's, it's not if he's, if he's so ever going to be a success, then he's got to have a run in the side. You can't judge him on one game. And if you're third choice either side, yeah, a, a running. I mean, he, you're not going to shift Simpson out of that spot from here to the end of the season, barring injury. Yeah, you're not realistically going to shift Jaden Brown out or Congolo. Yeah, if Brown, uh, if Jaden Brown's form dips, then Congolo, yeah. you put Congolo back there. So I, yeah. That's that's quite an obvious cross in a box, I think. There. Yeah. Uh, the other ones that I've got kind of as the odd ones out are Colin Quanner and Steve Mounier. Mm. But I might be tempted to move Mounier back into the keep column if you're going to then put Edmund Screen out. Yeah, I think... I mean, I wrote one of my pieces that I think there is a world you can use Colin Quanner. Yeah. I think he is he's a battering ram... And I think there are certain games in this division that call for a battering ram, to be mm. perfectly honest he with you. He is out with a hip injury at the moment, it's worth saying. So yeah. That's why he's been out. It's not that he's particularly out. Because he had been on the bench the first couple of games. The other thing is, I think, you know, there is a world in some games, particularly over Christmas, when they come in at, you know, thick and fast. If you want to play that sort of completely unselfish man in the middle whose sole job is, is to feed those wide of him and play with his back to goal... Quana could do that job in a yeah. couple of games against lower level opposition. The but problem is that Mounier can probably do it better. Yeah. <laughs> and, but and Mounier is probably the third choice. Th- and that's what I'm going to say. So I think with Quana, I think realistically, quite quickly, we've moved from a world where he might do a job in a couple of games at a particularly busy part of the year to, you know, really. You'd be unsurprised to see him go out on loan again, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. The other thing I would say is that he's well thought of in the camp because um, mm. he's he's a big personality yeah. and he's a really good trainer apparently um, I mean, they loved him at Ipswich didn't they yeah they did they, they went to Ipswich he scored some vital goals for them yeah, winner against Leeds yeah <laughs> but they said he was like a breath of fresh air they absolutely loved him over there so you you sort of wonder is there a world where they might come back Send in back for to him yeah. you know in, in January he, he 
do a really good job playing at the top of League One. Oh yeah, with, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, it'd be fine. Position. I mean, it, like he doesn't know what he's going to do half the time. So how do a defender <laughs> try and cope with that? I mean, but, it's it's worth saying. I mean, I've got a list here where I've got players in black and players in red. It's worth saying this is a massive oversimplification that what yeah. I've done here and, oh, yeah. and what I've just talked through. But I think it's worth talking about Mounier for a minute because. Like a lot, a lot of fans were sort of before the start of the season thought he'd do really, really well at this level, including us. I think. To be well, fair. I, I don't know. I've never been that on board. Right, including me then. <laughs> it's not it, the problem is with Munier. I think if you play Munier as your striker, you have to play a certain way. Yeah, which and is what the Cardinals said. Yeah, and Town are sort of quite removed from that way of playing now. Yeah, Munier is a striker who doesn't want to work. He's bum off for everything. He wants to be fed. You know, he wants yeah. crosses. He wants six-yard balls. You know, six-yard line balls, etc. It's not that I don't think he fits, but he suddenly becomes quite an expensive luxury to have sat on your as your plan B. As your plan yeah. B, and I mean, arguably, your plan B is to take Campbell off and put Grant through the centre. Yeah. So arguably, he actually represents. Plan B point five <laughs> <laughs> to mix letters and numbers there. So, you, I, I almost think is he one that realistically you look to shift off the wage bill and potentially if you do want a plan B point five, you potentially spend half his wages and try and loan a player in. Yeah. You know who who can do a similar task. Yeah, I'm really. sure Matt Smith doesn't cost as much as yeah. just a pull a name. <laughs> yeah. That we played recently. Yeah, and I, I have nothing against Munia. I just think he's he's quite limited in what he does. He came on against Lincoln, and he missed that header, and you sort of felt like. I mean, I've talked about Kachunga's miss being a bit of a before and after moment for Jan against Derby. I almost feel like that was a bit of a before and after moment for for Munia because if that goes in suddenly the crowd love him and they want him back on the pitch and you saw the reception when he was warming up the following home mm. game do you remember him and Van der Parra warmed yeah. up you know oh they're going to save us and when he did come on he did nothing I think he touched the ball once in say like 12 minutes mm. or something so I just feel like he's quite an expensive luxury that you could for what he's actually giving the team just you could replace that a lot cheaper mm. but you may have to convince one or two fans of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. I mean, he did score a in at the weekend as well. And the other thing is that they have said that they are um, over budget. I think it was just before Danny Simpson signed and they were talking about that. That would suggest that they would welcome the idea of, of getting people off the wage bill if they well I mean any club would getting players off the wage bill if they feel like they can lose them which, I think, which makes no different to anyone else yeah and I think that's partly where I think maybe Munier is quite an obvious one to shift in the current circumstances particularly longer term when you've got Karoma as well who can play wide or can play through the centre we don't know what's happening with Karoma at the moment he's got one or two fitness issues hasn't well, he well I think it's I think it's they want yeah they've talked about they want him to um, improve his athleticism they want him to get a bit more defensive work on his game yeah uh, and the other comment Cowley made was that he is very good at cutting inside from the left yeah but they want him to be able to go the other way just as yeah. well they yeah. feel like he's he's got sort of that one move and they want but to help him. All of that is light. like a very 
tactful way of saying he's just not quite good enough yet in in most aspects. Yeah, I mean they were they were quite complimentary about him otherwise, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, there's nothing when you're wrong the, with when that. When you've got three, yeah, exactly. He's 20 years old. Yeah, he's been signed from non-league. You you can't so. you can't have a 22 man squad and have all 22 players absolutely yeah. brilliant, ready to go, fully fit all the time. It just doesn't work like that. You have to bring players through in positions, but. I, that's it, it, the wage bill thing is interesting because that's another reason why I think potentially if Congolo has a reasonable season, yeah. he might be another one in the summer that you can get decent money for and and you can trim that wage bill yeah. a bit. We don't know if Danny Simpson Danny Simpson's deal is till the end of the season, so yeah, I, I would imagine that the, it It'll reminds thirty three by the end of the season. Yeah, but it it, it reminds me of um, when Brighton signed Wayne Bridge. And he was just absolutely sensational for a season, but we we couldn't afford to give him another contract because he he just you know yeah, just he was too, on Chelsea money. Yeah, it it was just too much. It was great for seasons. We don't know what's going to happen there, but I think that the twenty two players I think is slightly unrealistic. I think if if you yeah I completely that's, understand the that's concept. The thing, I, that's the thing. I don't think this is all going to happen in January. No, no. no. What they want, what they're actually saying is they want two competitive players for each position, yeah. but you get injuries, you've got development, you've got various other things. So I think what they really mean is they're looking at a squad of like 24, 25. Yeah. Um, but, you know, realistically, you could wipe your entire first 11 out and put another first 11 on there. And it's probably a bit of a message to the players as well. Yeah, absolutely. Be- because, yeah. He was, because Cowley was saying, Danny Cowley, because it was the two of them at the Q&A, Danny Cowley was saying it's you know their method is it's a treadmill and you turn the speed up and you see who can keep up on that treadmill yeah. and those who want to succeed will stay on the treadmill and mm. those who drop off the back that's your natural sorting mm. for who's who's going to stay and who but isn't. Quite interestingly, we were I I was chatting quite in depth with a football writer named Dan Story last week. Oh, I've heard of that guy. <laughs> And we were, Danny's a very good friend of mine, and Dan did an interview with the Cowleys last week, which I won't spoil anything from. Um, But we were talking about their intensity, and we were saying that I think it's almost a little bit like a smaller scale Pochettino, that you have to accept that at some point in the far off future, they will burn the squad out because they are so intense and they are so into them. Town are so far from that, it's untrue. I'm not for a minute. Yeah, that's like a five year near. project, I think. That that um keeping a smaller squad who are completely on board with it and running on that treadmill completely fits with that model because what they want is just that small group of players who are bonded, who listen to them, who do what they want. Yeah. The the fringes of that they can deal with at another time, but they want to keep that core together. And that's how very much they got success at Lincoln. Mm. And, you know, as soon as the Cowleys have been removed from Lincoln, it's becoming a little bit of a struggle mm. there, to say the least, because it's, as I said, it's replacing that intensity, isn't it? Mm. So, yeah, I I think it's interesting what they've said about the squad and trimming it down. But I think the other side of it is, I think there were one or two comments in there for the chairman's benefit as mm. well. Uh, again, nothing wrong with that. I'm yeah. not saying there's anything wrong with that, but they will know there are limitations after working longer term. Yeah, that's it. It's yeah, you're probably right. Setting expectations to fans mm. that look, we might lose one or two in January. We're on. We're not even talking about new signings yet either. Yeah, no. Like it, 
ultimately no one's going to care if they sell those players or loan those players out and get mm. better replacements for them mm. but I think yeah they're trying to set the expectation that there might be one or two that leave and don't get replaced but we think we've got other players in the squad because it's a young yeah. squad yeah. that can step up and, and I think again a month ago you would have thought oh I'm not well, sure about yeah. this but now having seen the effect they've had on some of the young players yeah. already after five games mm. it's like yeah fair enough which is well, what the plan was all along yeah it, it, it's also about their tactical plan because different players fit difficult different plans so you did look at them a month ago and we've sat here on this podcast going squad looks a bit thin looks a bit short in certain areas but if you play a certain way and you're playing to play a strength then suddenly it doesn't look quite as short because mm. you think well yeah because you've got you've got one or two square pegs in round holes but they're going to be round pegs longer term if they keep going like that mm. so things do change things do evolve and that's that's what they've done you have to uh, we were fairly kind to Jan when others weren't mm. um, and I was fairly kind about Wagner when one or two weren't last season I think the Cowleys at the moment you have to give them a huge amount of, of respect for what they've done at that club the, mm. the, the lift they've given that squad they've literally reshaped it mm. in four weeks to the point where we're sitting here now looking at the taking out those players and going well yeah they'll probably be okay yeah. you know maybe a loan signing here or there yeah which is again it's remarkable really yeah it's remarkable yeah uh, and it's also worth saying that win again by by giving them credit and they you know they got a warm round of applause at the q a last night by giving them credit we're not saying well they're going to win no the next four of the next five and no they're going to be promoted <laughs> or anything like that but I think the and you know the XG if you want to point at XG it's mm. still not still not what it should be yet. Yeah. But they're at a point where they don't need to worry about that at the moment. No. Um, they they very quickly got to a point where if they did lose against Blackburn, it doesn't feel like a disaster. No, we <laughs> we set the target of nine or nine or ten points in this run. Yeah. They've got uh, and they've got seven from the first three of those seven games yeah. on that run. So they only and need to win one of the next four, I, and I'm, we think we've I'll go time. on record and say, particularly the two home games, the Borough and Barnsley game, I'd be staggered if they didn't get a minimum of four points from them. I Genuinely, I'd be staggered. Well, you've, uh, you've, you've been on the money with a few things, so we'll come <laughs> back to that uh, in a couple of weeks, I guess. Um, you on Twitter, Dave? Yes, at David Hartrick, which is H-A-R-T-R-I-C-K and not Hattrick, as everyone calls me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm at Stephen Chicken, and Chicken actually is just Chicken. It's not <laughs> Chirkin or anything like that. Chicksin, like Adam Chicksin. Um, yeah, and yeah, like, subscribe, tell a friend, all of that, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs>